All right. Well, this is about the fourth time now that we're trying to do this intro because, again, we screw it up, and it's usually the man across from me sitting there. Um, so let's uh, give a round of applause, see if we can do it this time. Go ahead. What is up, guys? It's Friday, and every Friday is a great Friday. Tonight we have NBA, we have Major League Baseball, and we have a special guest. Been lit, boy. Everything goes. We now return you to regular programming. All right, today on the show, we have Jarvis Johnson, former Baltimore Raven, join us on the show. How you doing today, Jar- Jarvis? I'm doing wonderful. How you doing, Tyler? We're doing great. It's a pleasure to have you on, cool. man. It's been great talking with you before we started recording, and just I'm excited to get into this. This has been a tough one, Jarvis. We have been playing uh, text tag for a while now, and I really appreciate it. We know you're busy. I mean, you've been all over this country, and uh, I'm glad you're taking the time to sit down and talk with us. It's a pleasure to catch up with you all because, uh, like like we discussed um, via text, scheduling was very important and it's crucial and it's vital to in today's society. But we do make time for what we think is best and for the things that's right. And I believe that you two are doing a wonderful thing, engaging amongst each other and also engaging with athletes across the country to put out the information that is necessary. It's it's a lot of fun. It really is. And this is going, it's not, I don't want to say the next level, but, you know, we're actually getting so educated on, on what sports are about. And my view has totally changed. They're not, no longer like overpaid athletes. They're, there's it's, there's actually more to it now. And uh, the the past few interviews that we've had, it's it's just amazing what we've learned. That's great to hear, man. Every day, man. So we, we it's, everything is evolving. I mean, as, as the second kick, things absolutely. are evolving every single day. All right, we got to ask you. You're you're a cornerback, and you, you you've always, I guess. The- I was a slash. Sorry, I was a slash. So I was a cornerback, a safety, a nickel, and a dime. So yeah, go ahead. I just had to throw it in there. I was going to ask you: Was that always a position that you wanted to play? Did you always think about defense, or did you ever want to be on the offensive side of the ball? Because if you're a good corner, I'm 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 assuming that you could be a great receiver as well, because you basically know most of the routes. Exactly. Uh, okay, it started with me playing offense. I was a running back. I also was a receiver, like you said. And I would play quarterback whenever my coach asked me to go to quarterback to run a triple option and option. Or just drop back and keep the ball drivers and run. So I did have the opportunity of playing both ways in high school. And then when I got to college, I started to solidify a spot. And my head coach at the time felt like, you too aggressive. So, and I also agree with him. I would I would prefer to play cornerback any day over receiver and running back because I get to issue the blow. Yeah, meaning that I get to be able to be the one to determine who's going to get this impact. So <laughs> I'm not taking that impact. I'm going to give you the impact, and I took pride in providing impacts. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like offense was for the pretty boys. You know, disrespect to nobody that plays offense because somebody has to do it. And I felt like defense was for guys that really take that that same attitude and portray that same image on the field. So you can you, – offense, you have to be more of a finesse-type guy. And I think that goes with your personality, too, when you really start to break down the science of it. And then on the defensive side, it's more aggressive. And I feel that, for me personally, I was able to adopt more – to issuing the blow than taking it. 
I think I think we heard that once before from a famous linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. Michael Motti told us that it's better to delay the wood than be the guy that gets hit. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did say that. <laughs> so, I certainly agree. I, I tell you, he couldn't be no better than that. <laughs> so, so what you're telling us is that you'd rather have a pick six and a touchdown, right? Oh no, 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 no! Absolutely, wait, wait. all day, absolutely, <laughs> wait, absolutely. Don't go any further I'd with rather, that story, yeah, don't, Jarvis. I'd rather, don't go. I'd rather, I'd rather get an interception and show them that I can play offense too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love it because we got the opportunity to also do that. So, hmm. yeah, you, you actually was right on the uh, money, Tyler. Well, we're going to talk about a special interception later on, Jarvis, and I'm, I'm going to talk about my vision of it, what I saw, and then you're going to tell me what you did. Okay. How how is it for um, someone who grew up in Miami, down in the Florida area? How is it that to go come up here to the north to play in our weather? Is it something that it's hard to get used to, or you know, like feeling feeling the the, the ball, the leather in the cold weather? And is it is it tough to get used to? Yeah, it was uh, definitely started with being homesick. I tell you that much. I was definitely homesick, uh, but my mom chose my college. And it's a funny story to it. Cosiano, uh, he was at University of Miami at the time, and he was recruiting me to the U. And then, of course, he was at the house every single day, pretty much. And his recruiting tactic was to win your parents. Uh, and I noticed that, and he also shared it with me. But then you had other coaches coming from other countries, uh, like other states, sorry, coming from other states, and they don't have as much time as he have with my with my parents, actually my mom at the time. So he built more of a relationship with her than any of the other coaches that come from out of state. So she felt like more comfortable with Cosiano. And then he goes along to take the head coaching job when Bush Davis go to Cleveland Browns. Cosiano take the head coaching job at Rutgers. Uh-huh. He goes back to his home. You know, he goes back to his home and um, he's a he's a Jersey. He's a Jersey uh resident at the, you know, that's where he's from. And then, boom, he comes back around and say, hey, Mother Johnson, I'm taking the head coaching job at Rutgers University. He called the house, and my mom was like, okay, where my son is going, where'd you go? (laughs) And I left it to her. You know, that was my only way to repay her back for all the support, the priceless efforts, um, her energy, her love, her compassion, her um, diligence. I mean, everything that I can call out. It was never enough that I can do to show her how thankful and my gratefulness to her. So I said, Mama, it's up to you. You choose my college, and I'm going to go and I'm going to represent. And she said, well, you're going to New Jersey. You're going with Coach Yama at. And I was like, you sure? You serious? <laughs> you know? I don't want to go with Mom. You know, so I, I, was, I started taking my visits. And, of course, I went to a lot of northern schools um, for a few visits. And... I started adjusting then because that's when I started to see the snow. And I was planning and I was making snow angels. I'm going to make snowballs for the first time. And I felt like embracing the weather because in the, in the South, where Miami, we don't get to see four seasons. So it was more so adapting to being away from Miami in regards to adjusting to the weather. I, I embrace the weather like crazy because we can't do nothing about it. Yeah. And, and, I, and on top of that, I ain't sitting on the sideline. You know, I got to throw that in there, too. I didn't sit on the sideline, so I was always falling. Now, the, I, from living in the north, you know, fall's beautiful, spring's fun, summer's beautiful. 
I, I'm not a big winner guy. At any point while you were playing football, was it tough knowing that you had that beautiful Miami weather back down south and yet you were up north? Yeah, yeah. And I love when we played uh, southern teams and southern states, like away games. That was the best, especially playing against the University of Miami. You know, I had my old fan base from Rutgers, uh, especially my family. And it was great to go back home to play on my home territory. You know, so I had, I guess I had to see, and I had an opportunity to, to experience both worlds, playing in the north and the cold, um, adjusting to that. But for defense, again, yeah, see, I don't have to worry about carrying no balls on defense. So I know how to create a fumble. I know how to strip the ball, especially in the cold weather. I, I would uh, utilize the weather on my side as a defender. I would use it on receivers. I'll do it with running backs if I ever had to come across and even with quarterbacks when I'm, when I'm blitzing, you know, I know the ball is getting a little bit harder to hold and your fingers are getting cold. You know, some quarterbacks like to wear gloves, some don't. So I know they feel that cold weather. And under that center, so it's, it's different for me to um, complain about the weather. Mm-hmm. But I did love I did love it, but I, I, I prefer, of course, anyone would prefer to play <laughs> and wear a, a nice 80-degree, 75-degree. Oh Florida. Uh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Everybody yeah, would. Everybody, I think, would. You know, you talked about I the mean, recruiting, yeah. and, and recruiting now is has gotten so crazy. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, what, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Michigan guy. I love watching the University of Michigan. That man, okay. that man has gone as far as he went to a guy's house and climbed trees with him, and he even had a sleepover at one of the recruits' house. It's, it's wow. amazing what these coaches will do to get a recruit. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, they, at my school, showing up, I wasn't even out of school yet, you know, the support coming from coaches on, on that level. I mean, you're, you're a senior in high school, and you're getting recruited by so many schools, and you have to try to build these relationships with so many coaches that's coming, and it's tough, but you will be able to determine who's who's genuine, who's sincere, who cares, you know, who cares about your future. Yeah. Um, and, and and steps away from the football talk, you know, and steps away from that and, and shows that that instant gratification of building that rapport. And that's one thing that I feel real comfortable with, like moving forward a little when I became a coach, you know, I wanted to build that instant gratification of uh, rapport building you try to build as much relation as you can when you're on the road recruiting. So, I mean, Coach Jim, man, I mean, that's that's something that is not really heard of, but I'm pretty sure everyone has their their um, their strengths as a as a coach when they're doing their recruiting tactics. And I think that was one that he tapped into yep. and he used it to his advantage, and which is a great which is a great tactic. Now, I know you said that your mom basically picked the college you wanted to go to, but was there at all any university that you specifically was like, okay, I'm hoping that maybe they'll give me a call? The U, right? Miami, the U. Well, yeah, I always, you know, I was a fan <laughs> of the U. The U has a lot <laughs> you know, of history. I'm like, hey, man, I want to go to the U because that's <laughs> an unofficial visit for me. It don't count for me to go there because when, as long as you don't get on the plane to fly out of your state, uh, it's an unofficial visit, you, you know? So you have a you have a certain amount that you can take officially, and you also have unofficial visits that you can take. So that's the that was just a drive wow, I didn't, I didn't know or a that. bus route, you know. So for me, I was like, well, hey, if it happens, it happens. 
But I wasn't really focused on being recruited. I was a student that put education first, and whatever happened, happened. Because yeah. I'll tell you that was another funny story. Some of my best friends, and they're still my best friends today, asked me to play on their football team to help them win a championship. I didn't play football until I was about organized football. I didn't play organized football until maybe 11 or 12. Okay. And then that's considered like a late bloomer. But they saw that, dang, man, he's he fast, he can catch, he's throwing. And my mama couldn't afford for me to play Optimus football down in Miami because of the price. Yeah. Um, and then I had some best friends that said, look, man, my parents are paid. So I felt like it was already investing in me to play. So I was like, I might well perform to the greatest. And you know what? That's what we went and did. And that's how football started for me as a student athlete. That's awesome. It wasn't my, it wasn't me that said I want to play football and go to the NFL. Um, nevertheless, I had dreams. I didn't have any dreams. I didn't have no aspirations of it. But once I started to play and get the hang of it and notice that I can compete just as everyone else and I, I can separate myself in a unique way, I felt that was an opportunity. So. And then the support, I mean, it just started coming like crazy. And it ended up happening for me, man. But I never had a dream or I never imagined taking it this far. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I got awesome to tell you something funny because my son played football. And uh, he he played with Saquon Barkley at Hockendaco over here. And they played on the 90s. And I'll never forget the first time he went to practice, they had him in the running back position with Saquon and I think Butchie Tully and all them. So, uh-huh. then, so then the coach, I mean, now my, my son is like the smallest and, he, the first and time he's the skinniest football. kid on the team. And the coach goes, uh-huh. we need a volunteer for center. And my son raises his hand. So <laughs> I, they, I didn't know the position Jarvis, back then. They made him oh, center. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what they did? They showed him how to chop block. So all he did was snap the ball and fall to the ground. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then – then the following year, my other son, he was like, he saw the excitement Ty was having in football, so he wanted to play. So he, they okay. put, they put him at the corner position. So he never played football before in his life. So I'll never forget it. They ran a sweep his way, Saquon and all them running towards him, and he stood there and they <laughs> leveled him and ran him over like a freight train. <laughs> and I think that was the last time he's ever played football. <laughs> Funniest thing. That experience for him to learn quick. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, Tyler, man, stop, 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 stop. Tyler, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can tell you, you know, I, did, I did play defense hey, man, the next year, though. You got though. some heart. I'm going to tell you that right <laughs> now, man. You got a lot of heart. Keep <laughs> <laughs> Hey, they, the following year, though, he did get to play. He got to play linebacker. I, I played safety. Safety, and then uh, he did have what? You had two uh, interceptions or something like that in the end zone? I don't remember. Yeah. So long. It, was nice. fun. it was fun. Nice. But, I know that was way funner than playing center top. Yeah. But I, I want to ask you a question as far as when you do get recruited and, and you go to this school. Like, you see a lot of these schools nowadays. You, you see the recruiting quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Some teams, they end up with five quarterbacks. How tough is that as a player going to a school where that position is packed? Like, do you, you come in there as a freshman and you're like – you're on like – I don't want to say like a second stringer. Do you have the chance to just go right in there and become a starter right away from day one? You uh... – well, it just depends on what school you go to and what level you plan on. You know, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Okay. It depends on the the school 
and it also depends on the opportunity there plus your competition level. So everyone has an opportunity to play um, on a collegiate level, you know. But then now if you're going to a, a school that's just fresh off a national title, I would advise students, if they're not considered to be a five-star athlete and they're going to these big schools uh, out of the five or seven that you have the opportunity to visit, I would recommend them looking at the roster, you know, looking at the depth of the roster so they know what they're up against before they go. A lot of coaches not going to say that because at times coaches just want to make sure that they can pack up their squad in an area where the need may be in the future, you know, within those five years, that like, that five-year span, that four to five years that we have as a college student athlete. And so you you really have to look at that. You know, it, it, you can make an instant impact right away. Um, and sometimes you might not start um, the first few games, but then again, as time progresses, you learn that system, that schematic system, then you can have the, another opportunity that, that sets you away from your class and also the class that's there in front of you, you know. So yeah. it, it really just varies on contingencies, you know, and it's hard to determine for every student because it's just so many athletes, man. Um, and then when you go to a squad and you you there and they already been in the system so they know the plays, so they have an upper hand already just by knowing the playbook. But then you can have a a talented young man, five-star athlete, come in, knows the game, but don't know that playbook. So he may have to sit out a while until he learned that playbook to make that adjustment to be able to be a starter. Okay. And I feel like I feel like if I was a good player, I mean, obviously it'd be cool to have the big schools one to recruit you. But like you said, I would definitely be looking at the roster and thinking, you know, what's the best team where I can get looked at by the pros if I want to continue this as a future type of thing? Uh, I, yes. I definitely agree with you on that one. Now, all day, all day. Yeah. Now you you ended up with the Baltimore Ravens, and this this is a question I, I've always wanted to ask somebody. And every time I get someone on the, on the phone, I always forget it. You always hear about the speed of the game, how it changes when you go from level to level. How true is that? Like, does this does does, does it really change? And does it really different? Is it different from each what? level? Oh hell no! It changes like crazy. <laughs> I mean, everybody fast. I I kid you not. <laughs> Everybody fast. Everybody is strong. Everybody tough. Everybody is everybody that they is. I'm telling you now, it's a major change. The speed of the game comes faster. <laughs> but if you get some mentoring and you get some extra coaching, and you know you you can slow the game down. You know you can. Now, I'm not gonna step away and say that <laughs> it's just difficult. You know because you. For me, I love competition anyway. So you got to embrace competition. That stimulates my mind. That was, being that was, competitive. That was know, probably so the best answer we ever got. That stimulates me. I want a challenge. I don't want to play against nobody. Sorry. I don't want to be in practice in my group and I'm the best player out there. I don't, I don't want that because a lot of pressure falls back on you again. So, but I'm going to tell you the truth. It does change from level to level. That is not a lie. Uh, that's the truth. 100% truth. It, it really does speed up. And when I say speed up, life speeds up. Your personal life speeds up. Your your professional life speeds up. Uh, everything speeds up, man. I'm, I, I kid you not. Well, I got, it's a fast-paced game. I got to add to that question, okay? The situation. Okay. 
a running back, 240 pounds, maybe, I don't know, maybe 230 something, breaks away, and he's running straight at you. Oh, I wonder. I always, I always, I always wondered, what's going through your mind? Are you going to oh, go hot? Are you just yeah, going to throw I'll your say, body at his legs? No, or? no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm going to tell you like this. Now, I'm a strategist. That's number one. I'm a smart, <laughs> I'm a smart, intelligent, genius player. That's number two. And number three, all in one. So what I would do, I'm going to use the game. So if it's a sideline hit, I'm going to give him everything I got up top, and I'm going to knock him out. <laughs> now, and if he's coming in the open field, one-on-one, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thigh boards and below, you know, because I just want to make sure he get on the ground. No, no. I'm not going to get embarrassed. I don't want to be that guy they see he run over and then he keep going for a six because I'm the last line of defense. Yeah. And the crowd only sees that last person he runs over, and that would be me. So I said, no, that's not going to be me. I've seen it happen to the best. So I said, I'm going to be a smart player. If I have an open field tackle and 240-plus coming at me, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm chopping the thighs, and I'm going to make sure I keep my head and my eyes focused on his thighs because I don't want to miss. Now you gotta You're remember- not jumping over me because I'm not, I'm not shooting at your ankles. Now, I ain't that scary. I'm not going to shoot at your ankles and then you jump over me and get a highlight. I was no. just going to say something about that. Oh, yeah, God, yeah, no, that's not cool. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those tacklers. I was known to be a for sure tackler. Wow. Open field, and that's what I had to do. That was my job to make sure I'm the last line of defense. I got to get him on the ground. Well, I'm, so, I'm, I'm a big Saints fan, and I witnessed something just like that pretty bad about two years ago in Minnesota. <laughs> the whiff. <laughs> <laughs> You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it happens, man. Yeah, well, I was happens. just I was just gonna say to you, you can't go too low because you have players like Saquon and Zeke who love to hurdle people. They love to do it. They love to do that because they know that when a defender, if you swiping like all the way down there, man, I'm gonna do the same thing. You know, it don't take much. You can see it. You have time to react. And football is a game of instincts. And those two guys that you named, um, they have some great instincts when they're carrying the ball. So. You can notice it. You can tell when a defender is going to try to swipe at your ankles. Come on. You're going too low. Yeah, That's why absolutely. I would not go that low. For one, I like to hit a pop. I'm a compact. I like to I like to give a blow. So I like shoulder pad to shoulder pad. I don't like to hit defensive guys. I don't like when a receiver looking for a ball and I come and clean him. That's not fair. I, 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 call, that, I call that soft. From a defender standpoint, if you hit a receiver or anyone that's not looking at you and they're looking for the ball, if you don't have the time to either get an interception or a pass breakup, then you get a solid tackle. You don't just wipe somebody out, you know, and, and I'm a defender to say this, and, it, and a lot of guys probably would hate me for saying this because that's what they live for. They, it's like they start salivating out of the mouth. They're ready. To just rock your world if you're not looking. But we were. Gonna, I wasn't one of those. I, was, I wasn't one of those defenders. We, we were going to ask you that. We were going to ask you that. How how tough is it now playing cornerback compared to the you know back in the day where people uh, did, people didn't go uh, across the middle. You went across the middle. That was a oh, death yeah. wish. Yeah, that was definitely a kill shot. Um, right yeah. now, it's, it's powder puff. Right now, you, you know, <laughs> they, 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 they're making it. Like, they're making it powder puff. You know, and, I thought that's, that's what that's you their, said. I thought you uh, said powder puff. <laughs> you know, back in the yeah, day, yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what they're making it right now, man. You know, it's an offensive world. You know, when you get on the field, 
it's an offensive game, you know what I'm saying? Like, they want it to be offensive. And, you know, people want to see touchdowns. Well, Jarvis, you, you, know, you know back in the day, receivers going across the middle had T-Rex arms. They weren't extending those arms, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, nothing. They, they had them dinosaur arms for yep. certain. Yep. They don't want to catch the ball. They looking at who's come, who's at. Okay, is that Ronnie Locke? Is that Ron Wilson? Is that Steve Atwater? Okay, yeah. let me stop. They don't want none of that pressure. Yeah, so they would stop. Ronnie know, Locke was now, a beast. Oh man, I, I seen him clean people, man. Hey, Sean Taylor, you know, Sean Taylor, God rest his soul. That was another friend of oh, mine, yes. a best friend of mine. Um, Primetime, Deion Sanders, man. Oh, playing with Deion Sanders was the greatest. He would tell you, I get paid to get picks, I get paid to get interceptions. Yeah. I am not tackling nobody. And he would tell the coaching staff that he is not tackling. I don't get paid to tackle, coach. I get paid to get interceptions. <laughs> but you know what? Now, you know, will hit you. you he'll know. hit you. Well, he gonna hit you when he knows it's it's a win win <laughs> for him. He's not gonna hit you when he know that. Okay, I don't know now. You know, I'm a swipe like. But that's the strength of what Dion possess. He can do some of any and everything oh he wanted God, on the field, man. I mean, you talking about prime time? He stand and live by that name, man. I, I remember. I remember when he was with the 49ers and him and uh, the Banks guy, they were the best de- uh, duo in in football. Oh, yeah. And, and I remember yeah, yeah. Dion would get interceptions, and he would be he, – he was running like a ballerina. He was on his tippy toes. No one would touch him, and he was high-stepping from the 40. Yeah, he's, he's that fast. He, he, he was definitely that fast. Everybody, definitely. everybody knew his dance. As soon as he got to the 10-yard line, he was doing that <laughs> Dion <Yeah>. shuffle. Everyone <laughs> did that. Yeah, man, it was, man. No, well, no, that. But, um, yeah, man, it, it, it's changing. The game changing. Now, and I know for the safety purposes of concussions and, you know, the CTE and, you know, all type of migraines and just these common day um, injuries now from the impact, you know. So I, I see why, you know, more for longevity of the player and also for the entire organizations to continue to produce um, entertainment. So, uh, you, I, I, in other ways, I do respect um, the rules of the games, although they're changing. But um, then again, it also takes away from, you know, other areas of the game. But I respect it at the in my heart. I still respect it, though. And, and I, I totally agree with you that it's, it's definitely you know safer for the players. That it's more an offensive game. The one thing that that's frustrating to watch as a fan is. You know, just how many flags are thrown just for covering guys. That that oh, yeah. that bothers me a Not, little bit. Oh my god! Yeah, that's that. That pisses me off. One time I had a, I had a I had a situation with a referee, and he called flag. He called a flag on me one time uh, for putting a, a receiver wrist while we was running. I'm wearing stride for stride, but. I learned something that I thought was a G move, you know. If mm-hmm. We slide for slide, so I like to, I like to show my confidence in the receiver's face, and I like to get them out of their game sometimes. So I'm slapping his wrist so that way I'm throwing off his timing when he goes up to try to catch the ball because I know it works every time. And I teach my cornerbacks this technique too. It's a technique, so they be getting all the extra about it. You know, he called a flag because I was swiping at the wrist while we was running. And, and, and it was hard, you know, sideline judge. But, again, the receiver was whining, you know, ref, 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 let me get a flag, let me get a flag. 
You know what I mean? He got a flag for something that I feel wasn't passing the friends. But now they're just going beyond the game when yeah, it comes to these touch, touch man, a like, guy Come on, let's play football. Like, let's just play football. Well, we need to hire some new officials. <laughs> you know, the thing that's crazy is you have to watch a video on how to properly sack a quarterback now because if you fall on him with all your weight, it's a penalty. But I got a, a, I got a, two, a two-part question for you. The first one, uh, did Des Bryant, did he catch it in Green Bay? And the second one, do you think they should start throwing offensive fouls? Like when a receiver jumps up and he begs for that penalty, even though there's not one, do you think they should go 15 yards the other way and then they'll stop doing that? I believe so because consequences should you know, come with some rules of the game, you know, on both sides. So just like if we get a P.I., like you said, 15 yards, they coming. And then if they get a P.I., which they can, it should be the same. Or, you know, we lost over down. So I agree. But the first question I didn't hear. What was the first one? Did Des Bryant catch that ball in uh, Green Bay? Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's it's okay. You could say no. We don't really care about Dallas over here. I do. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Dallas fan. I, I, I believe um, Des Bryant is a great receiver. I believe if it wasn't for slow motion, <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for slow motion and replays, he caught the damn ball. Absolutely. But, yeah. But being that, you know, they go up to the box and they do all this slow motion and they call the NFL office too because they would also give them footages on that same play. That's how it works, too. You know, just by me being in the NFL office, I was able to go into and see some of the backstories of how it gets one-to-one, you know, and where it comes from. They would have to instantly send in that same play. I mean, like, they they be on it, too, man. They would send in that same play immediately after this week. Not on TV, not, not the TV version, but behind the real, the real life yeah. decision. So it comes from the officers too. So they play a part in it that no one else really talks about because sometimes they don't really know where these calls are being made also, you know. So it plays a part in the processing of allowing them to have a say-so. But then I think that if it wasn't for slow motion and replays, he caught it. But now it's, it's we just... got so much great technology. <laughs> we got technology that's going to change you. You lie right away. It's just aggravating because he did he did a, a, a like a move after he caught it. He did a motion. He took two steps, reached for the end zone. The ball pops up in the air and he catches it. And then Zach Ertz yeah. did the same thing in the Super Bowl and it was a touchdown. Well, now they changed that rule. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You see, and then they changed. Like you said, they changed it now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just yeah. got to. And that's, that's the thing, man. You it, the rules and regulations of football is is changing right now as we speak. Oh, it's constantly right changing. I mean, that, that has to be as confusing to you guys. Knowing what the rules are each year, and then you have to know your playbook on top of it. That's a lot of studying for an NFL guy. <laughs> yeah, it takes a. It, it really does takes a lot. Ninety uh, percent of the game is is, is mental, so that's the ninety percent part that falls within that. And it lets us all know that you know our coaches have to be up to date. Uh, that's why they do a lot of coaching conventions. That's why they go out and still educate themselves as well. The officiators um, also. They have a, a clinic. They have camps that they also um, host throughout the time of the offseason. And, you know, they want to make things better and grand as much as they can. So they're, they're keeping up, and so do the coaches and the then down to the players. Now, before we get into, like, uh, everything you're doing now nowadays, uh, I just have one quick question. Um, we were 
since you're out of the league and since you're a little older now, do you have a favorite NFL team you root for? Yeah, man, Miami Dolphins all day. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I know you. Oh my god! I was god, hoping man. you would at least said hey. the Ravens. <laughs> oh no, that that's 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 number two. You feel me? You know, my, Miami is a mess right now. They're projected to be the worst offense in the NFL hey, this year. They got a young quarterback, Yeah, but who though? believes in projections, man? Who believes in projections these days? I do. That gives me hope, man. Because <laughs> they got the Cowboys projected pretty high, so I'm kind of flying high right exactly. now. Exactly. And then guess what? They projected pretty high, and then everybody's feelings are going to be hurt toward the middle of the year. Guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, you know how hard it is to be a Cowboys fan in Eagles territory? It's very difficult oh, yeah, up oh, here. Oh, yeah. Trust me. Oh, boy. You get um, that's resiliency right there. That's what that is. Hey, Miami has a good young quarterback in Josh Rosen, though. I think he's a good quarterback. I know. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Appreciate that. I really do, man. We're we going to make some changes. We are. And I, I'm a diehard fan because that's my hometown. Of, of course, the colors and the uniforms are gangster. You know, I feel them <laughs> colors hard. Jarvis, I love Jarvis. the Ravens, too. How, they got how... the hardest colors as well. <laughs> the black and purple is still royal. So that's still in white. I like that. Hey, but, um, how old I are you, Jarvis? What'd you say? How old are you? How, oh, today I'm 35. You know, you're still young enough, man. You could come out of retirement and go play for the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, man, you know what? I'm waiting on the phone call. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I told my agent, I'm out turning. Boy, if the Dolphins call me, I'm going ASAP. I would go and play for free. Hey. I, I hope this gets to them. I got, them on, I got them on my speed dial. I'll we'll, call for you. They we'll give out their to number them. to everybody. If they, hear, if they hear me, man, I should call Coach Rizzi. As a matter of fact, Coach Rizzi, he's a special teams coach there right now. And Coach Rizzi coached at Rutgers. Um, he was our running back coach and special teams coach. So I, I, I linked up with Coach Rizzi a few times, and I should just go back to his office and be like, Coach, man, what's up? Yeah. Like, put me on. You know, but in all seriousness, no, they, they're going to get it right. Now, I, I guarantee you, they're going to get it right. It just takes time. Man. Oh, yeah, you, it takes time. You know, it, it takes time when you're building anything out, especially in, in this league. Man, yeah, y'all see how the game's going. Uh, they're, they're, they're packed tight, you know, and it's very competitive, man. That's why you got to love this sport because it's so competitive. Hey, I got we got to I got to get into this one story with you. Um because my son is a diehard Saints fan. I want I want you to tell us about that special day you had. Uh, it had something to do with a 78-yard something or other. Um, why don't you tell us about what happened that special day? Well, I'll tell you, money was on the line. It's a business. And I felt like I had to continue to perform at the best of my ability as I take the field. And I envision doing things before I do them. And it happened, you know, all throughout practice, you know, uh, preparing for the Saints. I was getting PIs uh, as far as pass breakups, sorry. And I also had an interception in practice that I felt confident enough going into the game. Uh, it's going to happen just like that for you. Oh, yeah. And I told myself that, you know, I told myself through my motivation and also with the support of my coaching staff, great coaches there. Um, great players around me. Oh, my God. You want to play up to that level. You know, I'm playing with Hall of Famers. Man, don't get no better than that. To be playing with Hall of Famers in your rookie year. Um, so they're doing it, you know, so it don't fall too far for me, you know. So it was, it was my turn. I'm like, if y'all doing it, I can do it too. So uh, getting off the plane 
my whole mind was set on it. I am T for six. I was not settling for nothing else that night. And it did happen. He tried me. I seen it all the way. I just saw it all the way. <laughs> I saw it all the way. So I jumped it real quick. I don't want to hear So it. I jumped the tip. And now all the fast guys are downfield. So if a lineman or a quarterback or a fullback or a running back catch me, I don't need to be playing again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I don't respect their speed. You know what I'm saying? That's just me because I'm a, I'm a speed guy myself. So it's just competitive. But – all the receivers, they're down the field now, by now. And, and you're not going to catch me if you're in back of me five or ten yards. You're not going to catch me from a straight run me down type thing. No, that's not going to happen. So I saw it. I hit the sideline, and I saw them picking the angles. This is called a pursuit drill that they still teach this day. It's called a pursuit drill. So you got linemen running to a cone. They're thinking I'm a cone. I'm not a cone. I'm a real person. So they're trying to pursue and pursue. The quarterback doing the same thing. All I did was did a scrub. And I cut it up the middle. I cut it up the middle. I cut up to the middle. And I cut back on everybody because they all, oh, they're doing the pursuit drill that we all talk. I'm like, come on. Y'all going to try to hit me with the pursuit drill, please? No way. So I cut it up and just shot down the middle touchdown. Now, I got to ask, like, who was quarterback for the Saints at that time? Oh, man, I forgot. I, I I know it wasn't Drew, though. It oh, wasn't oh Drew. you don't have to say that. I mean, if it wasn't Drew Brees. <laughs> in, my, in my mind, it was <laughs> Drew all the way. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't Drew, though. It wasn't Drew. I, no, it wasn't Drew. It wasn't Drew, though. I mean, if, I know if that. It, and I was mad because it wasn't Drew. You look, me? I don't, I I don't care. I don't care. I love the story because I grew up in New Orleans, and when I was down there, my Cowboys were 1-15, in 15, and all my friends down there, I hope you're listening to this tonight. I love it. I would have been high-stepping and smiling. <laughs> Oh man, you gotta love it, man. If if it, if it was a Drew Brees, it's not impressive to me. I'm just messing with you. No, no that, that, yeah, it wasn't, man. It wasn't Drew. It wasn't. No, that's man. awesome, that, though. You were in the dome too, weren't you? Yeah, we was in the dome. That had to be a cool feel. The stick it, it to was him. good because I I still felt like it was Drew anyway because we a part of their team and we still beat their ass. Sorry for cursing. <laughs> That's all that matters to me. We went out, we did our thing on their home territory and got a win. That interception was just a part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we took a W home. You know, we flying back high and we're flying fast and we loving it. We dirty birds. We the real dirty birds. We the Ravens, so, you know, that's how we fly. We you, fly boys. You probably could have heard a pin drop in that dome while you were running down the sideline. Oh, my God. All I heard was sad faces. That's it. <laughs> Hey, is it? Yeah, they knew it was over. They know. They know it was over. I'm not getting called. I'm sorry. I just wasn't getting called. Is, I read a story about you. Is it true that when you were in the NFL, your mom said to you, do not come back to my house until you put a degree on my wall? Absolutely. That's, That's awesome. That's a true story. That is That's awesome. That's a true story because, as a matter of fact, I went, I went before I graduated. You know what I'm saying? So I'm one of those guys that did go before my time and – I told her I'm fine. I'm like, Mama, I'm good. We good. We straight. Well, I ain't going back. I don't have to go back. That's what I was thinking. And nope. In the off season, she made sure that I went back to complete my 15 credits. And I went back to complete my 15 that's credits. Awesome. And what made it so so awesome was that's the I had the highest GPA during that time. That's <laughs> crazy. You know, I wonder why. And you got you got your bachelor's at Rutgers, and then you got your master's at uh, Tiffany University, right? Absolutely, that's amazing. Yes, 
Yeah. And then I just continued to pursue school. So I felt the greatness of being awarded with a bachelor. And then I I felt like, um, all right, mom, that's it. I'm done. So she encouraged me to go back and finish my undergrad. But then I encouraged her that I would get a master's and a Ph.D. So I started my dissertation work already for my Ph.D. right now. That's perfect. That's great, man. And now, Jarvis, we understand that you're a part of this awesome program called Ballers Get Degrees, which is absolutely amazing, and it's awesome that you're doing that. For those who don't know what that is, could you just explain a little bit exactly what that program does? Okay, Ballers, Ballers Get Degrees was something that I partnered with, uh, partnered on through my foundation. I had a foundation called Jarvis Johnson and mm-hmm. the National Foundation. And at the University of Miami at the time, that's when I was at the U. I was working there as a coach, athletic liaison, and academics as well. So I was designing programs. And while I was designing programs, I'm designing programs for student athletes. I'm designing programs for non-student athletes. I'm designing programs for the at-risk. I'm designing programs for the upper echelon. So I'm designing all these programs through my foundation and bringing it to the University of Miami. You guys, you guys can have it just for hiring me because that's my whole town, you know. So I'm, I'm loving to give back, and I became a philanthropist at the time, and I'm still there today. But I partnered with a dean of international education. Um, his name was Dr. Wilson. At the time, he was heading out because he spent over 20-plus years at the University of Miami, mm-hmm. and then he felt that we could collaborate. You know, he wanted to influence me more on changing my entity into uh, more of a Pay entity. I'm not saying that nonprofits don't make any money. Yeah. Because I will be lying. Because number one, I'll tell you, a secret: the NFL is one of the biggest and highest paid nonprofits in the world. <laughs> but let's not even go there. Yeah. So I started to work with him, um, and he retired from you know uh, being a um, dean. He was a teacher, a professor, so he had this education track that he took for years in business and education and being a dean at the university of miami was you know for me to work with someone of that caliber i felt honored to be working with faculty i felt honored to be working with staff i was an ongoing learner so for me i was loving the opportunity because they got a chance to see what i'm doing now what i bring to the university of miami so he felt like we should partner up and we partnered up and yeah, talks of making it to a turning it into a service to enlighten education, um, degree completion for players like myself. You know, players that like to commit earlier, you know, like right after freshman year or going into sophomore year that commit to going and entering into the draft. You know, so so we was thinking in long lines of those guys just going back and guys who they have 15 or 18 credits or even 21 credits shot. Go back and complete your degree. So that's where our um, ideology came from with Ballers Get Degrees. And it was something that I felt great about. You know, I felt that was something great for the millennials. I felt that it was great for student athletes. I felt that it was a, a message to the NFL and also to all professional markets in the sports world. And that's that's how we um, ended up coming with Ballers Get Degrees. 
Well, I, I, I tell you what, I think it's very important what you're doing because nowadays, especially uh, especially with NBA, uh, they're going to be opening up to 18-year-olds where kids are just going to be bypassing college altogether. And if you don't make yeah. if you don't make enough money to sustain you until retirement, you're going to have to have a backup plan. And even Absolutely. in football, you're you're an injury away from your career being over. There's not. I mean, I think Absolutely. you. I think you have to Every be. Day. You have to be in a year for so long before you get lifetime benefits. Correct. I think it's like three or four years or something like that. Right. So right. if if your career is cut short and you have no backup plan, you know it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a tough life, especially if you can't do certain things. And I think what you're doing, it's it's amazing. Um, and you're seeing more and more NFL players that are still playing today that are going back in the offseason and getting their degrees. The linebacker from the Cowboys just did it. He went back to Notre yep. Dame and got his degree. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a great movement. Um, and I also want to say something that I think that is important for just viewers and the audience to know. Not only did we create ballers get degrees. Well, we also, well, and then I took lead on this by myself an initiative by myself, but with the right resources to create and give back nowadays with Connect the Gap. Connect the Gap is my company that services K-12 and colleges and universities. So it was a, to me, I felt like working in corporate with professionals, you know, because I, I had a chance and I had an opportunity, and I still do work mm-hmm. with um, NFL players to this day. I wanted to find a way to insert my services on the lower level now before these guys get to this level when they making these decisions. And I said, you know what? I went back in my own chamber and I went back in my own office and I said, I got to find something else, something that can separate me a little bit, you know, not too much, but just enough. And I don't have to reinvent something, but just bring my innovation to it. So connect the gap. That's a K through 12 and also a college and college and university educational organization. That's awesome. And we partner, we partner with them through um, youth um, with achievement and, uh, and achievement gaps of education. We help with non-traditional designing curriculum through sports, social context, and in the education world. So we promote partnerships. And and that's something that I love because it's, it was me to come to the table and be in your in your zone again. You know, it's a game. It's still a game. You know, the mindfulness is a game if you're utilizing it right. You know, you want to have a growth mindset. So I was always an educational guy. Yeah. So I felt like I have to find a way to insert those services because I think it would identify with me just as much as it will with any other organization that I work with. So it was non-traditional, and I felt like it was something that was a huge need because I, I broke down the U.S. Department of Education, and I see that it was a need for it. So this is where we get to the, the students get a chance to learn and practice academic skills um, that helps them regulate positive emotions and behavior through learning. And it takes them a longer way than just me just going on the field coaching or me just working with professional athletes and not knowing that all of us at one point were young, you know. So I felt that I had to find a way to do this, and that was my way of doing it because life does start with a purpose. And I feel like we can connect those gaps for those students that do not have or don't understand what a purpose is, don't know how to plan, or prepare for life. 
And that's where I started and I kind of branched off to go and do Connect the Gap and also create something called Beyond the Game, which that's is awesome. another entity that works with all sports now. So, it, and it's broadened. And all that experience helped me get to this point today. And again, I just want to say what you're doing is absolutely, absolutely amazing. amazing. Do you guys at all have a number of how many athletes you've at least helped so far? Oh, well, I'll tell you this. When I broke off from, so we put ballers to get degrees on pause because my partner, he was going through some life issues. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, it, it had to, he had to stop. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't assist me in the area where I needed assistance and we came to a mutual understanding and agreement on alright, uh, we can re we can uh, re-intervene on that later mm-hmm. so I didn't stop, I continued to go and I stayed persistent with the flow um, and then I know that when I continued to do what I was doing with my players at UM my name started ringing to the office and I had an opportunity to work within the Players Association. So that's the National Football League Players Association. Yeah. Through a third-party contract with a company called Athlete. I single-handedly, I'm not even kidding you all, in my database, I ended up working with over 200 NFL players. Wow, that's awesome. You know, yeah. Well, and, and well, Jarvis, you can be our agent. Much. Do not, I didn't know that I wasn't thinking about, oh, I'm trying to do this to, to grow. I'm not doing this to that. I wasn't knowing. I was just loving what I was doing. And, you know, when you love what you're doing, it's not work, you know. So I felt like, all right, well, bring them on, you know. Yeah, bring them great. on, bring them on. We're going to move them in. We're going to move them out, you know. And that's the process. We had, we had a nice process. And I was getting guys, retired players, I mean, um, former players, current players, they was just coming in and out, man. And by the time I looked up, I was already over 200 players. That's amazing. That is and then I, amazing. that's what it continued to encourage me to keep on doing what I do to continue this mission that I feel like a lot of us can be on. And, and it takes to find the right individuals, business-like-minded individuals, people with passion, honesty, integrity, you know, being loyal, committed, and dedicating yourself to something that you know, something that will make you uncomfortable a little bit, and then you you learn it again. You know, we have to relearn. We're never too old to learn again. Yeah. And I felt like this is my way of keeping up with education. I love education. It was part of my household. That was one of the first things that my mom made sure. Spirituality and education. That was all she was really on. Anything after that was a bonus. So... <laughs> She was, she was happy, you know what I'm saying? She, yeah. I wanted to see her happy. And I continued to do it, man, and that's how many players through the league. And I, I, can't, I can't even count how many college players, man, and high oh, school wow. players. I, that's countless. Yeah, that's countless. I never kept track of it. But I will start a process of keeping track now because I learned that data collection is something that sells. But that um, is, in my that... market now, you know, in my market as an entrepreneur, that's what – a lot of um, employers, organizations, they're looking for. So I had to learn that to keep track now. So I'm keeping track now, but I didn't lose track of the players that I work with. And I still work with to this day now through the NFL Alumni Association. I also partnered and I worked with the NFL Alumni Association that help players 
tap into their benefits. Well, you know, I, I, I help players, well, current and former players, retired players as well. That's the mission that I've been on. And I felt like education was a way for them to be role models so the next generation can see that. You know, it, it's cool to go to school. It's cool to be swag. You know, it, it, it's cool to be educated. Well, see, see, that's perfect for us. These guys, yeah, when they idolize and we look up to guys, and we feel like, oh, well, he ain't graduated or he ain't graduated high school sometimes. They feel like that's a cool thing to do, you know? Yeah. And so the mission is to continue to get the more guys to graduate um, from all, from all, because I'm working with Beyond the Game film and also the Project One. And all of these missions are the same, man. We pretty much have that same idea of committing ourselves to education and services to transition students to student athletes to pro athletes and retired athletes. And it all just sums up to one, man. Well, you know, That's why I love it you, now, so it's not even like working. You know what's amazing today is today you, you see a lot of kids that are drifting away from school and they're drifting away from sports because they're so tied up in the technology of today's world. You know, oh, you the know. phone is the worst thing that – it's probably the worst thing that's ever been invented because you see kids that are 11, 12 years old that have these mini computers in their hand, and it takes mm -hmm. them away from everything. I mean, even at our local park, the baseball numbers are down. They couldn't even field teams for the summer league. But I I, I wanted to ask uh, – I didn't ask this question to a lot of people, and I wanted to ask it to you because you you deal with the NFL. What what do they do with these players when they come in and you're 21, you're 22 years old, and you're handed a check for say 50 million dollars or something like that? I'm not saying you're going to be handed that right away. I mean, just guaranteed money the whole nine yards. What prepares them for that? I mean, that is a life changing experience alone to have a young kid come in there that's never had that kind of money, and now is uh, what well, what what's there? What does the NFL offer to help them out? Because let me yeah. tell you, the, they, the, the they first... offer many services. They offer many services, and they introduce okay. they they introduce us to so many people um, who 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 they currently work with in the past, who they have these partnerships with, and it can be through a, a financial institution. Um, it can be through an agency. It can be through a, another form of a resource, you know, real estate. So they what they do is through a rookie symposium. They take us through a long, tedious, rigorous day. And they expect us to be paying attention all them damn 25 hours <laughs> to, understand, to understand what's about to take place. Well, no. Um, but they also throw in activities, you know, and programs that grabs our attention. But it's just like this. I feel like everything starts at home. So... Women starts at home, consult with whomever at home first and foremost. Yeah. Some guys don't. Yeah. Some guys don't, and guess what? Some guys do. Some guys are taught how to manage money responsibly. Some guys are not taught that. And then some agencies, they want to they want to be a one-stop shop there. So they want to have everybody in their agency that does something for you. And you got to be able to be educated in order to know your your stuff. Yeah. Because if you don't know what's going on, they're going to zip you. And they're going to zip you with a smile and a handshake. So it's more to just the money part of it. It's the lack of knowledge. You know, they don't have the full understanding and a lot of players are not equipped. And that's why we're changing that. We want to change that environment and we're going to continue to do this 
And that's what I'm really working hard. So from 10 years, 20 years, that question that Tyler asked, that would not be a question, you know, and that's what I'm working on to be able to create a platform for financial literacy before they go to the NFL. You know, you know, what would be perfect for you. You you need yeah. to you need to go to the NFL draft. You need to go to the NBA draft. And when you're oh, when oh, you're yeah, yeah. when uh-huh. you're when you're walking up and they get the hat, you stand there and give them your business card. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Robert Goodell would be pissed off. He'll be mad. <laughs> but when I I do go to the draft, you know, I'm, I'm involved with everything. You know, I'm involved with a lot of things with the NFL organization. You know, I'm that is still awesome. A, a part of the brotherhood. I'm still a part of the lifehood of it. Um, because I embraced it, you know, I, I took advantage of all my opportunities. So we still go, we still attend, but then um, they keep these barriers, you know, they keep the, the genuine, the sincere, and honest people, they try to keep barriers because they want the wolves that's hiding the sheet close, they want the wolves to get that attention from those players so that, because they're working together. And, and I can't name, I can't name anyone or, any type of company that does. But I'll tell you this, all we have to do is be able to get a part, get those those players before they get there. That's all. Yeah. That's the best time to do it. And that's why we're working with 87 colleges nationwide right now. And we're taking them on these college tour talks that's so they can awesome. see and understand and hear from veterans, hear from Hall of Famers, hear from GMs, general managers, and hear from coaches. So there, so that can be eliminated in a way, like to alleviate that problem, because it, it's it's going to be an ongoing problem. It's not we're not going to be able to stop it overnight. No, know? no, no. So to start implementing that right now, you you got to start them on a younger level, introducing them to financial literacy as early as middle school. So that way, you we don't need to rely on someone else to manage my money. How can you tell an accountant they don't know what they're doing when they they show you that they're expert? They can crunch in all these numbers and say, oh, yeah, I've been doing this for X amount of years and put together a portfolio and they make it look all glamorous to you. Yep. And you don't even know what a portfolio is. And then you got CPAs coming out of nowhere. What's a CPA? Like, I don't even know what that was. Like, who? <laughs> why y'all using these games? Like, why y'all using games at me? I'm thinking, like, what's all these games have? So it's just foreign. <laughs> So when it's when something foreign to anyone, no one is gonna know. I can go to another country. Like how can I count currency in in, in, in China? You know they got what, what's the what, what's in China? What they what the currency in China called? Yen. The yen. Or, the yen. Yen. You know what I'm saying? How can I go to China with uh, 1.2 million U.S. dollars and say here, let me get uh, 1.2 million yen? You got to go to exchange they're place be, and they're gonna rip you off. Exactly. If you don't know what you're doing, they're gonna do the same thing. Man, we so just we just found that out at the airport them. when we went to Ireland. Yeah. We did an exchange at the airport, and, and everyone said, "Don't do it at the airport because the rates are out of this world." And they they yeah. really, they ripped us off. They are. They really are way off. Yeah. You get to that country and you do it, but knowing at least have someone that to me for me when I travel to other countries when they're talking about uh, currency exchange. I bring that person who's from there, and we're going to exchange this money together, and I'm going to make sure we <laughs> double count it. Because I'm not going to be no fool, and you're not going to rip me off. I'm coming out here to have a good time. I'm coming to vacate. I'm chilling. I ain't with all that. So it's the same. It's the same philosophy here. But they're just doing it in, in, in wolf's clothing, hiding in something with a sheep on. 
And, and that's because they lack the knowledge. That's easy, man. That, that, that ain't no gimmick. That ain't no ain't no no shame in it. Because they feel like, well, he should know. You know what I'm saying? He should, but you know what? I'm going to take advantage of him because he don't know. And that's the consequences that you have to pay when you're getting paid. When you're getting paid, everybody come at you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? True. You don't know who to trust. You don't even know to trust your own relatives at times. Absolutely. But how, how can we expect to change that environment of a player when they receive these top dollars without a, teaching them financial literacy yep. from A to Z? Not from A to B, yep. A to Z. Because yep. there's so much within financial literacy that we all can learn, no matter how old or young we are. So that's why it's crucial that we start teaching them as young as they come out the womb. I tell you what, Jewish people do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I know that for a fact. And that's, I know and that's, that for a fact. My agent was Jewish. Yeah. And he told me. He was like, man, I was teaching my kids how to do money sense. I said, since when? Since they was in my wife's stomach. <laughs> yeah. well, let, you let's, tell, let's you face say that it. to an African-American community? What? They're going to be like, who? Oh, we just praying for our baby to come out with all our fingers. We're praying for our babies to come out yeah. with all, all their clothes. That's the we're truth. praying for our baby to be healthy. You know, we're praying to keep our, just the love, you know what I'm saying? But the Jews are already teaching let's face it this this is a world that's full of wolves and people want to get theirs and another thing too is like 10 million dollars ain't what it used to be a couple of years ago so these kids have to be smart they have to be educated to stretch that money because absolutely. they don't know how absolutely. long your career is going to be um absolutely i mean i'll take we, i'll take 10 million dollars yeah. just to let you know we, we, we have a we have a couple more questions what would you do with the 10 million dollars the, 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 the first in, thing invested. i would do is i'd pay off my parents house and debt that's the first thing well, the first thing, uh, I, first thing i'll tell you the first yeah. thing i would do is is i would i would definitely find, invest it the right way i would go to my church make a nice donation to my church and I'm, i've always okay. said this if i became wealthy i'm going to saint jude's hospital and i'm making a huge donation to them for what they do to those kids. Um, both of you guys have great hearts, man. I, yeah. I really adore that. And I admire to hear that. And you see, y'all would do the same thing that some players do right away. You see, both of you guys, both of you two would do some of the same things already. Now, what the next step is, now you're left with, you, you deduct what you're left with, and then you have to work with that. Now, how would you manage that without knowing the knowledge of manage your money. Yeah, and that's right. where a lot of players fail at. You know, they fail at not knowing how to manage money responsibly. That's all. Well, see, I have no entourage now. So if I got rich and I got an entourage, I know it's all fake. So I'm just kicking them to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I know you're yeah, busy. Yeah, that happens, man. I see that happen to the best of the best, too. No lie. I yeah, see look at Trent Richardson. That. And I used to be questioning that. Like, I'm like, man, when you know him? When you met him? Oh, man, that's my homeboy cousin. See, uh, that's your homeboy cousin. That's, yeah. a, that's a third party. Yep. Like, how can you get in the circle now because he's your homeboy cousin? All they want no, is no, money. No, no, no. All they, they want is some of the money. Football. You know, you, you know, see what I'm saying? That's it. That's all, man. They come like. And that's and, messed and, up. And, yeah. yeah, it is. It's very messed up. It's saddening, man. It's, it's, it's really sad. You know what's funny, Jarvis, is my son went to school at Saquon. He knew Saquon. They talked a lot. We tried to get him on the podcast, and it, it's so difficult just to get in contact with him because of the whole PR thing. And yeah, the chances oh, they, the chances of us getting him on here are slim to none. But we keep trying. 
But hey, yeah, we, just keep trying, man. Just keep trying. We we uh, we know you. I'm gonna try to bring him out. I try to bring him out. You know, I, I really would. I work on him to try to bring him out. But it's, it's just gonna be. I'm gonna let things slow down for him a little bit. Uh, you know, he's just finishing up his rookie year, and that that team that's around him right now, he would he would start to learn them. He would start to understand. Yeah. And eventually, what he thinks, and I'm not speaking for him nor the team he's around because I don't know any of them. Rock Nation's huge. This, yes, it, it would, it would, it would start to slow down for him. But and if you guys are friends, man, I hope you don't allow that to get in the way of you guys' friendship. I'll yeah. just say that. Well, hey, I, I know you're traveling a lot and you're busy, but I just have two more quick questions I wanted to ask you that I wanted to get in earlier, but we didn't have a chance to. Randy Gregory, and you know Randy Gregory's story. Um, th- yeah. th- he he's filing for a full reinstatement. Uh, on Monday, and and like I said to you before when we got on the air, this is going to be a huge decision for the NFL what they do here because they could basically say, you know what, this is like your third strike, you're done with football, you're suspended for the year. Or they can come back and say, you know what, enough of this stuff. We're going to take a look at this. How How is medical marijuana helping these people? Should we get them off of painkillers and stuff like that? That could, that could turn into an addiction on heroin or other things down the road. Do, do you think yeah. do you think that this is going to be a huge decision for the NFL as far as whether I don't think I, I personally don't think they should punish him. You know, he's had one slip up in over a year. And, and I think that the stat is 88 percent of people that have an addiction problem. They usually they usually do slip up once or twice. But I, I don't think that you should ruin this guy's career. I think they should start educating themselves and actually helping these guys out. Yeah, um, I agree. I know that um, just from many recent recent studies that um, prescription drugs do op- is an, is another gateway to another drug. Yep, I would say absolutely. that, and the other drugs um, cheaper. I, yep, and then as far as the medical marijuana, I have the slightest idea of you know how that influences um, bad behavior mm-hmm. or or any type of manipulative action. So I didn't do enough research on medical marijuana yet to be able to voice my opinion on it, on the use of it. But I do know that marijuana was <laughs> marijuana was growing for the longest, yeah. you know, and it, it got a lot of people incarcerated at the time. So I'm thinking if the U.S., really decides to continue to continue to allow medical marijuana to be legal. I feel like someone should be someone in, in the government, I say someone in the government should be governing the the actual medical marijuana processing. And and it's bigger than just for NFL or NBA or major league baseball homewell athletes. I think it's bigger than that. So, but I, I do think as a as a as a country, and if we if, if one state feel like okay, medical marijuana is okay, and then you have because that could be something that he ran into, you know, because one state passed the law for medical marijuana, and then you have some states that still didn't buy into medical marijuana, and then you have to look at contract agreements. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just so many moving pieces. So it's just it's just difficult these days for anything, you know. So uh, it's just I don't know, man. It, it's just something that we got to just keep 
keep learning from and, and making the appropriate adjustments to life as itself. But I, I, that's just something that it just blows my mind how this can be a problem for this man. You know, I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that like, like, they should just let – like anyone can light up whenever they want. Like after the game, you see guys in interviews and they're smoking or whatever like that. But I'm like – as long as it's medically controlled, I mean, like at home or something. Washington, D.C., our capital, it's legal down there for recreational and medical. I don't understand why it's not. And I'm not an advocate for it at all. I don't care what happens. Whatever happens, it happens. But I'm just saying, these guys, you know, they're, they're putting their bodies through, like a, like we talked about before with Southern, like, Southern like Percy, like Percy uh, it's, a, it's a crane, a train wreck. Every snap, every play, they have to deal with pain and injuries, and they have to take yep. these pills to perform because if they don't do their job, it's the next man up, and this is their livelihood. Absolutely. So they got to take right. whatever or do whatever they can to get them to next week. So I, Absolutely. I think it, whether it's CBD oil or something that helps them, I think it's a lot better than popping and, and, some and kind of antibiotic. as long as they use it right, like they're not overdoing it like in an yeah. interview like you said. Yeah, yeah. Anything that we uh, anything that we over, we over intake, it's not good for you. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think in moderation. You know, just like a cup of wine, like a, a glass of wine, um, or, or a cup of, you know, a shot of tequila. You know, yeah. a, a shot of cognac. You know, in, in, in moderation, just like eating meat. You know, I don't eat meat, but sometimes I want a double cheeseburger from McDonald's with <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, and, and, but it's in moderation. I, I don't overdo it, but I, I feel like still to each his own. But at the end of the day, man, um, health is always important, you know. So, I mean, everyone has a decision to make, you know, for, for themselves. Yeah. And we sometimes put ourselves in situations that we don't belong in. But it's so easy to get into them and hard to get out of. That's absolutely true. Right, I'm, I'm going to uh, – this is our last question, and uh, I want to read this because I heard this today. And we talked about it a little bit beforehand. Uh, NBC5 out of Dallas, Texas is doing a story today. It's on mental skills coaching that's taking over sports. It's helping pe- uh, players deal with depress- uh, depression and anxiety. As of right now, Major League Baseball has 28 teams of the 30 that have these coaches on them. The NFL, they're making it mandatory for this year that every team has to have some kind of mental skills coach. I like it. Um, like it. Adam Silver of the NBA, uh, the NBA commissioner said that, you know, 20 years ago you'd go into a locker room and you would see, like, radios are playing, the, the players are hanging out together, they're all, like, coming together as one. Now you go in a locker room, you see guys with their own headphones on, they're in their phones, they're on, you know, doing their own individual things where there's no, like – no like, one there to help them cope with what's going on. You know, social media is a big thing today. How do players handle what's being talked about in the media about them? You know, going on a, a slump as a baseball uh, player, you know, who's there to talk to them? So these, these coaches are coming in to help these guys out with these problems. Uh, wh- what do you think about all this stuff? I, I absolutely love it. Um, I have a master's in counseling, mm-hmm. and I do know from a um, – standpoint of just non non athletes as a clinician in the real world working with parents and their children. You know, holding me and holding those counseling sessions were very useful and helpful. Um and I and I think that for moving toward the athletic world, it's a huge need for it. it it's been a huge need for it. And I'm happy 
that they're finally starting to understand that and bring that into place by mandating it yeah. to be because you have emotional performance from all these athletes and cognitively when you look at the adrenaline rates mm-hmm. when you look at um the health factors that's involved with the game, just the game itself alone. And then all the compacts and, and no all sports too, just from playing these sports on this highest level, you you need someone to consult with on that level from a mental standpoint. Because not everyone is skilled in that area. Not everyone goes to school for that. Not not everyone understands the nature of communicating with others that have other type of issues or dysfunctions because a lot of times without being um without it being identified no one would never know until something happens so that's that's like saying you're not taking preventative methods you're just reacting to the cause in regards to trying to prevent the cause yeah so that's why i think um the mental the mental piece is going to be key from a cognitive um emotional standpoint uh, i think it's beautiful from trauma, you know, that, that also can prevent trauma behavior, yeah. you know, traumatized behavior. So I, I, I love it. I'm definitely going to look more into it myself because they call the right, they call the right people. And you know what I'm saying? So they need to be calling me. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. one of them. Yeah. One, one thing I, I like that, especially is we were goofing around earlier about his name is Marcus Williams. The guy that missed the huge tackle against the Minnesota Vikings. You know, you think about, oh, yeah. you think about, <laughs> you think about someone <laughs> so young, Okay, and how big social media is too. You know, he misses that play. The first thing you're going to see on social media is your picture posted everywhere and people, like, you know, giving some really bad comments. And to have mm-hmm. people to talk to, that's the only way you're going to get through that because he's just going to hold that in the whole time and, and it's not good to hold Absolutely. stuff like that in. Well, you know what's sad? Nope. That, that was on the bottom line of Sports Center or some sports knows agency because there was probably people there writing about it as it happened. So before he got into yeah. the locker room, the whole world knew he just missed the biggest tackle of the game. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly, man. And that, and that's, that's that pressure again that comes along with playing the game on, on, on any level um, in all sports. You know, you got to be criticized, yeah. you know, and sometimes it's going to come with judgment. It's going to come with um, condemnation. It's going to come with praise. You know, it's going to come with elevation. And that's the part of what support that athletes should have in place, you know, because just to be able to perform at that level, it's an accomplishment, you know, but, of, you know, people on the outside, like, you know, according to some of the fans, that, that they, they may feel like, okay, well, damn, it's one of the biggest tackles of the game that caused them to, that caused them to, to lose or something, right? But then, what about that player who was able to make him miss? You know, um, he's a professional as well. Exactly. So, on the, on the flip side, he's getting praised for doing his job, and then the guy who missed the tackle, he's not because he didn't do his job. Yeah. But just that one play, and you see, that one play can really tarnish can haunt, a person. Can haunt you forever. You know, and and then think about bigger episodes than just a play of a, of a sport game. You know what I'm saying? Think about on the real level of that one play in your life that can really jeopardize your entire career. So I think it's, I think it's a great thing. And I, and I really support that that's being in place and mandated. And I I definitely want to be 
a part of it in some capacity. Hey, Jarvis. You guys will be about that, too. Not, not to rub this in, uh, but uh, I'm just looking here on uh, ESPN, and they have uh, for the best triplets in the NFL for uh, 2019. They have the Dolphins ranked 32nd. It's okay. I saw they have, they, they have Josh you know Josh Rosen's hey, ranked 32nd. That's okay. Kenny, that's okay. Kenny, Under, underdogs, baby. Underdogs. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How, yeah. We the underdogs. Let me ask yeah. you this: How do they that's have cool. How do they have Kenny Stills ranked as the 31st receiver in the NFL? That is insane. Well, he was injured. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You, yeah, you, also, you, know, you also have Drake, you know, too. Man, good. Don't, don't believe in the hype. Don't believe in the hype, man. They hyping us up right now. They don't know. They're giving us motivation right now. about <laughs> us the 32nd team. So that's cool. I wish they would have had us at the 35th team. You know, it's okay. All we got to do is keep on climbing, baby, because, look, we can't Getting go fired down. Up in here. Ain't no pressure on us. No pressure. We're 32. Ain't no pressure. Exactly. We're just going to go out exactly. and have fun. Hey. Let's go have fun. And let's go win some games and watch you move up that ladder. Because you can't get no ground below than that. Well, hey, before we let you go, you, you told us you're in Vegas. Do you want to talk about any upcoming projects or anything that you're working on or doing? Yes, thank you. So we have a film that's about to be released. It's a documentary, and it's called Beyond the Game. We're doing a pre-release in August. And this film, and it will be released in the fall. Not only is it going to be an AMC theater nationwide, globally, we also have some time on Netflix. And I think it was five years on Netflix. So please, you guys have social media. I'm going to follow up with you all again. Don't make this the last call. But I do want to come back on. Oh, and I want to promote it the right way because my PR team is creating my social media. So that way, like I told you, I'm going to pull it all out when we roll out the carpet. We have three red premier carpets along the way with this film. It's a documentary consisting of high-profile celebrities and some of you guys and some of some of the guys that's in the film and also the women currently play the game on a professional level of all sports. And I mentioned those sports right now. You have National Football League, Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, NASCAR, for anyone that likes to drive fast. <laughs> we have Major League Soccer. Uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of student athletes and 87 colleges that's involved. But all the extra footage, and, it, and this is the biggest part that, that I love about being an associate producer of this film. Yes, I am an associate producer. We're going to donate back into educational resources, colleges and universities, we went independent so that way we can control the asset. Awesome. We can control we can control the funds. We can control the timing instead of allowing a host like the NFL network or the, or HBO or you know ESPN, they'll give us a time limit and they call, of course they'll charge us. So going independent was a way that was a, a, a genius idea because not only do we have these red carpet premier tours in Los Angeles, New York City, and in Dallas. And I invite you two to come out to the New York City one because I know it's familiar. You guys are familiar with it with the area. And I'll give you guys the tentative dates as we get closer to the time. But um that's my project that I'm working on now Sounds out awesome. here. And we're filming from I mean we've been we've been filming for the last year and some change. And now we're currently doing it in Vegas with the NBA summer games. Um, just getting some some guys in the film 
of the draft. Uh, we had March Madness in it. We got some That's coverage awesome. in March Madness. Um, Big Vital, everybody loved Big Vital. And I could name a few people, but I don't want to spoil it for no yeah, one. No, you're fine, but you're we fine. Have, we have a lot of great celebrity basketball players, football players, WNBA players, uh, I mean, general managers, famous all the famous that still live today. Well, you can always put some. Film. You can always put some low-level podcasters on there. <laughs> we can. Well, low-level. I, I won't consider you guys low-level because you guys have the best duo. You know, no one has a duo like you two. <laughs> and, and, we I, and I've been that. on. And I've been on a few podcasts myself. I did a lot of um, things in the in the media, so I love it. It's been fun. It, it's been real authentic. Well, I got to tell you something, and, and I'm not saying it's just because you're on the phone with with us right now. This has been the most entertaining and laid back conversation that we've had with anybody as far as celebrity status. I mean, it's like talking to a friend. It's not like talking to like a famous person. I'm serious. This has been it's been it's been, it's been great. It's been a really good time. I mean, we and, I, that, and that goes back and forth, you know. And I and I feel that vibe because you guys. I felt it right away, you know, and um, I picked up on synergy. And we all love to gravitate to whatever we're gravitating to. So negative sometimes gravitate to negativity. And then positive gravitates to positivity. And it's been a very positive conversation. It's been a positive talk. And I love real talk, positive talk. I'm about pro- promoting any and everything that's positive. And I will definitely promote you all. And I want you all oh, to come you, out. I want you guys to be a part of what we're doing now some of the things that I um that I'm working on just to get you guys more involved and more traction because it's a great way of networking. It's a great way of getting you all in the front of the right people. Um also into more, you know, you guys can expand this. You, you say low level, I don't think low level, I think high level for you too. <laughs> That's the way my mind works, you know. And once we set that in our mind and, and obtain it as a goal, we can reach that goal. Absolutely. And I want to leave you guys with that. You know, because this can grow out, and I and I want to be a part of it when it does. So don't forget about me when no, y'all we'll, do. We'll absolutely. definitely have you on again. Yes. We 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 have a lot to talk about because we didn't even get into your Mar- Miami Marlins yet. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we'll save that one. Yeah, but I gotta tell you, it's been a true blessing, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And if seriously, if you do invite us to those events in New York City, we'll be there. Absolutely, I will, and I'm definitely gonna follow up with you. You have my contact information, so. I'm telling you, uh, like I said earlier, we only have our words, you know, and that's what God gave us yes, to sir. follow through with our words. And that's mine. Ask Tony about me, man. You know what I'm saying? Well, you, I'll tell you, you'll definitely be hearing from me again because I'm looking at the football schedule. The Cowboys play Miami September 22nd. You'll be hearing a lot from me that day. <laughs> and you're going to be hearing a lot from me going crazy because watch when we take that victory. You oh. know, it's going to be something to talk about. <laughs> It's well, been a blast. And I'm going to have all the stacks with me, too. I'm going to be ready. It's been awesome, man. Has had some really good laughs. And just all the information you've given us, it's been, it's been like you said, it's been awesome just to have you here, man. Oh, absolutely. I, I appreciate it, guys. Well, God bless. And uh, keep staying busy. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be definitely in touch with you. Got to have you on again. And um, I won't bug you too much, but whenever you have free time, if you're willing to talk, just hit me up and then uh, – We'll get you on again because we always like talking about sports. Absolutely, I do too, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris and Tyler, man. K and T, y'all go all the way with me. All right, right, God bless, Jarvis. Have a good one. All right, have a great one. All right, bye. All right, so that was Jarvis Johnson with us, and blown away. I am absolutely (laughs) blown away. That was 
by far, and I'm not saying it's just to say that that was by far our, probably one of our best interviews. Ever. It was just very open, and, and the laughs we had, it was just so genuine. It's just like exactly what we expect to have on this podcast is just to make you guys feel like you're here with us and we're just laid back conversation. It didn't, it didn't seem like it was like a professional interview. It just it seemed like a bunch of guys just shooting the crap about sports, and it was just amazing to, to go through what we went through with him, and it was really enjoyable. Yeah. So, we guys, we, uh, we were going to talk a little sports, but this, this podcast went a little longer than we expected so we're probably going to record Sunday about sports with all the Russell Westbrook drama going on and everything with the baseball pitches. And the Yankees are winning again. Are they already? They're up 4 nothing already. So we're definitely going to have Jarvis back on again because I'm telling you that was awesome. That was awesome. And if he invites us to New York, we're there. We'll pull out our phone and record people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll pick up on this podcast uh, probably Saturday night or Sunday. We'll do another one and we'll talk about all the NBA stuff that's going on. And I have some analytic stats on baseball, how the ball is traveling further, and some stats to back it up. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And uh, everything's going to be on our platforms. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Um, and we hope you guys enjoyed this. We'll see you next time. So excited.